She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 7. Ghost in the Machine. So how you doing? I'm pretty good. It's pretty smoky here and definitely woke up feeling a little... Mostly just like you have that like gunk in your throat and chest and stuff, which is not fun during a pandemic where those are also symptoms, but I know it's from the smoke and stuff. So it's just been really, really fun. How about you? How are you? Um, Well, I mean, I've been waking up hungover every day, but I haven't been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got that a little bit feeling. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't drink at all, but I definitely, it does feel that way. I've kind of stopped drinking for a little bit, just to stop drinking for a little bit. Not that I'm planning on like, you know, going dry or anything, but, but yeah, just, I mean, this is like what day four or five of not having any fresh air because you can't open the windows. Yeah. And like the air quality today is like doubly as bad as it was yesterday. For some reason I woke up and checked the air quality. It was like twice what it was yesterday. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Hold my beer. So yeah. yeah, it's not as bad up here. Like you guys are like double. I think I'm under 200 and I think you guys are closer to five. Yeah, yesterday uh, we were around 250. But then like I checked another map and it was like 280, 280, 250. And we were like in the center of that. So and then this morning it's like 513 or something. Yikes. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, super great. Or not cool. Although it's only supposed to be like 71 today because it was supposed to be like 90 something. But they're like, oh, yeah, when the sun can't shine, it actually doesn't get as hot. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, the smoke is blotting out the sun. I'm sure that's fine. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> this isn't the uh, weather report podcast. So we just wanted to you know, yeah. let everybody know how we're doing. And, and we do record this podcast. Like right now, we're, we're recording like double episodes every weekend to get ourselves a nice little bank. So, I mean, people probably won't hear this like for a month or more, but, you know, it's what the weekend of the 12th and 13th, today's the 13th of September. Yes. So So it's when the West Coast is on fire and everything is awful. I mean, assuming the West Coast stops being on fire. (laughs) If it doesn't, then at least this is the date stamp of like, oh, it's it was those fires. Okay. I know what they're talking about. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I understand. Oh, my gosh. I really hope it stops. (laughs) I mean, it's 2020. Everyone thinks like, oh, I can't wait for 2021. Mm, Be careful what you wish for. Right? (laughs) That's what we said in 2019. Look where that got us. Yeah. So maybe you should just keep your mouth shut, people. Just hope for the best. (laughs) Anyway, like I said, we're not the weather podcast. We are the X-Files rewatch podcast. I think our name is actually I Want to Rewatch. And uh, (laughs) let's talk some X-Files. Yeah, definitely. So, this episode was written by Alex Ganza and Howard Gordon, and it was directed by Gerald Friedman. It was filmed in Vancouver and Barnaby, British Columbia. And its original air date was Friday, October 29th, 1993. And received a viewership of 9.5 million in the United States. So, slowly moving back up. Yay! Viewers are coming back. Yeah. So, what is this one about? So, when a man is killed in a smart building under mysterious circumstances... A former partner of Mulder's comes to him for help. The most obvious suspect is the company's disgruntled computer genius founder who might have been using the company's smart operating system to commit murder. Mulder and Scully need to figure out if this scruffy programmer is an evil genius or if his AI has a life of its own. So it's probably like reverse engineered alien technology, right? 
Um, sure. Let's go with that. All right. Sounds like an X file. <laughs> so we are at Uresco World Headquarters in Crystal City, Virginia, which is actually a real city this time. Yay! We get a Yay. real city. So we get an establishing shot of a sleek-looking, glossy office building that says Uresco, and we pan up, and then we cut to an office where there's kind of like the stereotypical programmer guy, kind of, you know, a little bit of crazy hair, t-shirt, jeans, kind of unshaven, glasses, and he's arguing with a guy in the suit. So the programmer dude is Brad Wilczek, and he's the guy who created the company. And he's arguing with the CEO, Benjamin Drake. And Benjamin Drake is like, we need to do this because money, 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 money. And Brad is like, money is killing the company. The shareholders are killing my company. We need to be expanding. We need to be doing this. And Drake is like, nope, we're going to go a different direction. And we're terminating the CSO project, which is the central operating system, because they're good at naming things. And that's what <laughs> automates this building and is sort of like a smart building software program. And so Drake is like, too bad. You may have created this company, but we need to move forward. And Will Check is like, nope, sorry, you're going to regret this and storms out of the office. Yeah, exactly. So then it cuts to later that night and Drake is typing out his proposal to like get rid of the central operating system. He goes into his office bathroom, which is a really nice looking bathroom and it has a smart sink apparently. And the smart sink is overflowing. And so he like puts his hand over it, tries to get it to stop. There's water all over the floor. And then while he's trying to get the sink to stop, the phone rings and it's just like the time number and it just tells him like it's 7.06 p.m. And then the door of the bathroom slams shut. So um, he like tries to open it and his key card won't work. And so he pulls out his metal key and he puts it in the lock and like immediately gets electrocuted and thrown across the room. And then we see a shot of the CSO computer and it says file deleted. Yeah, I have to correct you. It actually says file deleted. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm just, I don't know if the file deleted is supposed to be like a reference to we killed no, this guy. No, I just like, you got you to you do the voice. If you're not going to do the voice, just <laughs> file yeah, I'm deleted. Not, I'm, I'm an good. evil computer. <laughs> oh my God. What are you guys, 11 years old? Who wrote, geez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of cheesy for sure. Yeah. I have to say, Drake is like really bad at being a jerk. Because like, he's a CEO of the company, right? So he's kind of a jerk in the and you know, when he's arguing with, with, We'll check about, oh, you know, the company, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, later when we cut to the night scene, he's, like, typing his own dictation. Yeah. Instead of having, like, you know, his secretary stay late and do it. And then when he goes to, like, work on the drain, like, he waves his hand, like, to turn the water off. And then, like, rolls up his sleeves and it's, like, reaching down in the drain because maybe there's a clog in it. And I'm like, why didn't you just call a janitorial? So, yeah, he's He's a guy who likes to fix things, I guess. I guess he's a hands-on kind of guy on. so yeah that key rocked though i want that key that was like a cool key how is it cool it just, <laughs> was just big it was just big and metal oh, yeah. and had like like you would you know I'd, I'd use that all the time like screw the stupid magnetic stripe car but be like whipping out that big old key chunk <laughs> chunk 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 but you know, it was cool i would have thought maybe you would actually have like tried to use the punch code that was on the lock first before yeah. you tried to have the big key like oh my car's not working let me try and manually punch in the code right because it's like a card reader but it has like the little numbers on it so yeah. you could like physically type them in so i don't know 
He definitely like went for big, the key first. And the big key of power. Chunk, chunk. Although I have to say, he doesn't actually get it in all the way before it like lightning strikes him. Right. No, he barely kind of gets it so, in, and then it just like and yeah. explodes. Like yeah. And we'll find out. We'll find out later that it's like fused to the yeah. door, and it's like, but it's like totally seated. But yeah, it blows him back, and he smashes against this big like the whole wall is like a mirror. Yeah. So. It was pretty cool. And just a quick note for listeners who might be young enough not to know this, but time was actually like a thing you would call and it would tell you what time it was because this is before you had like computers. So whenever you had to like set your clock, you would call time and it would tell you exactly to like the second so that you could actually like set your clock. And the voice does sound kind of like that, but it's a little different than the one. It sounds exactly like we'll check actually. Yeah, it does. (laughs) We don't know that yet. (laughs) Well, I, you do know that because you heard it and you heard him talking before that. But um, yeah, we don't know that. Okay. But it usually never calls you. Yeah, it doesn't. Usually would not. You wouldn't get a call from time. It was something you had to like dial yourself. So Yeah. Usually it was like, I don't know my location. I think it was actually, I think it actually used the number that no one ever uses. I think it was actually the 555 number that never gets used. I think it was like 555-1212 where I lived. I think. I think it was popcorn where I lived. Like you had to okay. spell out popcorn and then it would call time. I don't know what popcorn Maybe I'm confusing that out. with something else. What would popcorn be? Let me see here. Well, like if you use the numbers on your dial pad. I know. I'm, I'm looking it up because I don't know what they would be. Oh, gotcha. Popcorn would be 707-2676. Popcorn. Yeah, that sounds right. Huh. I will probably cut this out. All right. <laughs> and then we get the theme song. Yep. Then we get the theme song. And we're at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. Also a real city, but that's always been a real city. So it's apparently almost Halloween because there's like some little plastic pumpkins on the side that are obviously full of candy because we see some dude who looks kind of like a chud walking through the hallway and he like scoops some candy and slips it in his pocket and he's looking for somebody. And we find out that this is Agent Jerry LaManna. He's Mulder's former partner from Violet Crimes Unit because he sees Mulder and Scully. They're getting lunch from the lunch cart dude in the office. And so he walks up and gives Mulder a hug and he introduces himself to Scully. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to pay for your sandwiches. No problem. I'm taking care of this. And then it turns out he's there because he's working on the death of Drake. And he's wanting Mulder's help because Drake was friends with the attorney general and Jerry kind of needs a win because his career is kind of not going so hot at the moment and Mulder's like we're not on a general assignment and Jerry's like well is that because of the X-Files yeah and I thought it was kind of interesting because they don't really talk about the X-Files after that and so I'm kind of we never really get Jerry's opinion on the X-Files and we can kind of surmise later maybe a little bit that he's not a huge fan because he's he's like tom colton scully's friend he's very ambitious yeah but he doesn't ever like disparage the x-files like colton did no and and more importantly he doesn't disparage Mulder because Mulder worked on the x-files which is what everyone else does jerry because he actually worked with Mulder, realizes that Mulder is someone who you probably do want to help you on things because he knows what he's doing Absolutely. Yeah. So that was kind of (laughs) nice. So then we're back at Eurisco World Headquarters. Scully asked Mulder why he and Jerry went separate ways. 
Mulder says, I'm a pain in the ass to work with. And Scully's like, no, seri- like, seriously, tell me. And Mulder's like, I'm not a pain in the ass, <laughs> which I thought was a great exchange. Mulder explains that they basically had different career goals. Jerry wanted the fifth floor. Mulder was gunning for a basement office with no heat or windows. Uh, he explains that Jerry ran into bad luck in Atlanta while he was working hate crimes. Apparently, he had lost a bagged piece of evidence that totally destroyed his case and cost a judge both hands and his right eye. Yeah, he apparently sent the evidence to the dry cleaners. I guess maybe yeah. like he was in his coat pocket, I'm guessing, or something. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing that this is based on letter bombs, this hate crime that he was working on. Because on June 22nd of 1993, a geneticist in California lost three fingers to a letter bomb. And on June 24th, 1993, a Yale computer science professor lost his right hand and his right eye due to letter bomb sent by the Unabomber. And the Unabomber wasn't captured until 1996. So at that time, the Unabomber, I believe, hadn't had any bombs sent since 1987. So it had been about six years, but then there were two in 93. So that was kind of big news, which is probably why they kind of grabbed that to use as this this what so that I'm was assuming. probably okay yeah because yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense to me i didn't connect it with the unabomber at all but if he's working hate crimes then that would make sense yeah i th- for some reason when he first said it in the episode i immediately thought like someone had chopped the guy's hands off yeah like with a machete or something no. but then like after, but then yeah. as i was watching the episode like afterwards i was kind of thinking i was like oh he, it was probably a letter bomb and then i went and actually double checked like what the dates were for you know kaczynski the unabomber and actually, and then found like, oh, like, you know, just a couple of months before this episode would have been written, most likely, there were like two Unabomber accidents. So, I mean, there were yeah. some, I think the one before this in 87 actually was a fatality. There were yeah, some he fatalities. Had, like, he did have some fatalities, but the, the two in 93 were both just injuries. Right. So, yeah, he didn't have as many fatalities as people seem to remember, but there were a couple for sure. Yeah, because the... The first one in June, the geneticist, he actually lost some of his hearing, too, because he had really bad eardrum damage from the explosion, but then lost three fingers, whereas the other guy had really bad burns and then lost his hand and his eye. Wow. So... Yeah, that makes way more sense because I couldn't figure out exactly what how those things were related. <laughs> and for yeah, some reason, because it sounds weird, like a hate crime, and then a judge loses his hands. Yeah, and like, so it was what? like, what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that makes I didn't even connect that. So that's good. Yeah, and I also love that this scene kind of shows Mulder is just like clearly not really worried about career advancement. I mean, we already kind of know that about him. He wants to be on the X Files, but he's more interested in finding the truth than where his career goes, which is a good quality yeah he's kind of interested um this will come up later in the episode but Mulder is kind of interested in the puzzle he's interested in solving the problem yeah so, yeah so at uresco so they they go into the building and they get into an elevator and the elevator talks mm-hmm. in little check's voice and that would drive me insane to yeah. be in an elevator that had to tell you every single floor you went through like don't care because it's weird because they first get in they like push the button it's all thank you and you're thinking like there's no one else in the room like there's no elevator operator and then you realize it's the actual elevator talking and then as they go up it starts talking it stops at the fourth floor and kind of jerks and scully like almost kind of falls and then she gets on the phone with security and it's like hello this is fbi agent dana scully and the guy on the elevator is like is there a problem and then as soon as she says her name 
the elevator starts moving again and then we get a view from inside the camera and there's like terminator text and it's like dina scully and starts searching dc stuff to look up her telephone number which we do yeah. get but it's a made-up number it's like a 555 number so yeah yeah but yeah, yeah i lose so my mind working there yeah that i i have been in like fancy elevators like at hotels or like really fancy buildings where they do like talk a little bit and it is always a little weird to me like they'll be like fifth floor but usually it's not like every floor going up it's like when they stop at a floor they'll say what floor it is yeah but as this goes up to like they're going up like to the 29th floor and so it's like six seven eight nine ten except for everyone is in will check's voice so scully and the savings in trouble later in the episode you don't need to go through all these audio cassettes. It's Will Check using the voice. <laughs> so anyway, except when he's like file deleted. But anyway. <laughs> that hey, the computer's building a voice of its own. <laughs> I guess so. I'm trying to find my voice. So at the crime scene, Drake's bathroom, they learned that an electrical switch on the panel had been reversed. Which allowed the metal key to complete the circuit, which, which I'm not an electrician. Not how that works. Yeah, it <laughs> and doesn't you would not seem... put a switch right in the middle of this giant circuit board that switches the polarity, or I guess the polarity. I, I'm not an electrician either, but I'm pretty sure that like that is not how like reversing the the power yeah, works. <laughs> no, but apparently that's how it caused his electrocution. And they meet Claude, and he's the building systems engineer who tells them that COS runs the entire building, including the phone lines. Mulder notices the phone in the bathroom is off the hook, and he surmises Drake was talking to someone right before he died, or maybe even when he died. And we also get shots of the security cameras watching the investigation. Yeah, and Mulder's actually the one who brings up the phone, because when Claude is like, oh yeah, it runs the whole building, Mulder's like, does it also run the phones? And yeah. he's like, yeah, sure, but why? And that's when Mulder's like, boom, look, I'm the only one here who knows how to do my job. <laughs> this phone is off the hook. And he, like, taps it and it goes back <laughs> on the hook. Like, he was obviously on the phone talking to someone. Yeah, Mulder might get handsy with evidence, but at least he's observant. <laughs> yeah. And then we finally come full circle. Because he was talk- Mulder says he was talking on the phone when someone decided to do their Ben Franklin. <laughs> Finally, shadows make sense. Ben Franklin, ghost in the machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Yep, Howard Graves is now like an evil murdery ghost instead of being a good murdery ghost. And he's upset because Lauren ditched him and moved to Omaha. So, boom, I'm on the fifth floor. Thank you very much. <laughs> so so he he left... Where were they, Massachusetts, and came to Virginia to haunt the building? They were in Philadelphia. Oh, it's Philadelphia. A, it's an easier trip. From Philadelphia to D.C. is not a very long trip. Philadelphia to Omaha is a pretty long trip. True. So he just True. relocated and was like, hey, this is a nice building. <laughs> Honestly, that would have been an amazing reveal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, like, when the computer's, like, talking, like, all the, like, you know, the Matrix numbers, like, just form his face, and then we can get photos of his face, and we can... We can do some enhance, enhance, enhance. I'm like, oh my God, it's Howard <laughs> Graves. Yeah, missed opportunity. God, I think I just snorted. <laughs> so hard. Oh, goodness. Yep. So anyway, back at FBI headquarters. Too bad, Jerry. I stole your case. 
Mm-hmm. Nick's going to get promoted. You're going to get a phone call after this episode airs. So like, we need you for the yep. behavioral crimes right. in it or violent a, crimes. I'm going to write a monograph on this. <laughs> so uh, Scully, or at the FBI headquarters, Scully opens the door to Mulder's office. They're running late for a meeting, and Mulder can't find the profile he wrote on Drake's killer. And Scully ribs him because his desk is messy. There are papers everywhere. It is disorganized. But he can't find it, and they're, they're super late, so they just kind of leave without it. And at the meeting, Jerry gives his own profile of Drake's killer, and he says the killer is a sociopath, and the trap-like murder method indicates devious premeditation. And Scully kind of looks at Mulder, and she's like, hey, was that your profile? And Mulder nods, and everyone compliments Jerry's profiling skills, and Mulder looks pretty annoyed. Yep. So outside... After the meeting, Mulder goes up to Jerry. Jerry's drinking some water. And he's like, hey, you totally stole my profile. And Jerry's like, hey, just calm down, man. It's all right. Like, I asked you to help me, and you totally helped me. That was help. And kind of walks away, and Mulder's not particularly happy. And then Scully comes up, and Mulder's like, yeah, Jerry apologized in his own way. So. Yeah. Yeah, and he's so, like, man, I was hoping I was going to like Jerry, but like he's so casual about just going into his coworker's office and stealing his work. Like, yeah. wow. I mean, you could tell he was a dick by the way he pocketed that candy. Like there's ways that you're like, oh, candy. Cool. Can I gonna get some? But he was like, oh, mm-hmm. like just grab some and like put it in his pocket. You could tell. It was, yeah. You could tell. Yeah. He so, but like, honestly, have Mulder and Scully made any friends who are actually good agents before they got partnered up? Because... So far, so I'm far not no. seeing that. So far, everyone they've worked with has been awful. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get why they click because they're like, we're the only two people at the FBI who don't totally suck. Like, I guess. Man, jeez. Wow. Anyway, so yeah, Jerry's not awesome. <laughs> um, so Scully suggests that Brad Wilczek is a prime suspect for the murder. It's basically headline news that he hated Drake and he recently left Jurisco. Uh, so they go to Wilczek's massive mansion and he has like a four car garage and this giant house and it's kind of like on a rural road and it's got like a big, it looks like it's got a lot of land, like a lot of acreage behind it. It's like a golf course, like across the street. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's like in like a really fancy area basically. And they get out of the car and security cameras near Wilczek's front door follow Mulder and Scully as they approach and they knock and Brad answers and he is not surprised to see them at all. No. And he's got like a four car garage, but then also he's got like a super fancy car and like a motorcycle parked in front of the house. Yeah. So I don't know if that those are supposed to be in the garage or if he was like, well, crap, I should have built a six car garage. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyway, so we find out he named his company Uresco, which means I discover things in Greek. Mulder kind of pulls that out and gets it just a little bit off, but close enough. Credit. And Brad is like railing against Drake because he is a clean computer science, whereas Brad will check. I'm going to probably just go with will check instead of Brad, but is a scruffy computer science. And... Drake was more interested in the shareholders wanting profit over discovery. And he shows them his computer home system, which well, he's talked about how they were two years ahead of Microsoft and building smart systems for houses. And then Drake just killed it. So Mulder is asking him if this computer system is pretty much the same as the COS project. 
And he's like, yeah, it's basically, it's a, it's a prototype version of what's there. And so Mulder asked him if it's possible that the system could be hacked. And Brad says, well, yeah, I mean, probably not by your average people, but there's always like data travelers or electro wizards or techno anarchists who could, you know, get into <laughs> systems. And then Scully asks him if he could hack into it. And he's like, well, of course I designed it. And he smiles and he's like, and that's why you're here, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, because you're the prime suspect. And he's like, that may be true, but scruffy brains like puzzles. They're more interested in solving problems. And they're not the type of mind that would commit murder. Right. And by the way, Data Travelers and Electro Wizards sounds like a really cool version of Techno D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Get on it. So we're about to get into Nerd Corner with Nick here. Because Uresco was actually a computer-based discovery system that was developed in 1976 by Douglas. And I'm not sure if it's, if it's Lenat or if it's Lenat, like if it's a French thing where you drop the T, mm -hmm. but it's L-E-N-A-T. And the Uresco system he developed actually won two war game tournaments in 1981 and 1982. And then he actually stopped putting it in the competitions because the competition officials were like, if Uresco wins again, we're just going to stop doing this tournament because it's not fair. Like they win everything. So he stopped <laughs> entering the system in and then he actually started working for DARPA and he's currently the CEO of Psycorp, which is an AI R and D corporation. So I don't know if it's like, you know, they probably heard of that name and use that name, but so there's some similarities there. Yeah. And then, Brad is like, basically, he's like Steve Jobs. He's kind of like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak mixed together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like Woz was pretty much like more of the scruffy guy. If you had to basically say like one or the other is a scruffy and clean, whereas Jobs would be considered the clean guy. But also in comparison, Steve Jobs was similarly forced out of his company, Apple, in 1985 by the CEO, John Scully, no relation, who Jobs actually brought into the company in 1983. Oh, wow. And for similar reasons, it was like a shareholder thing. And Scully was saying like the Macintosh project wasn't making money. And so he wanted to cancel it. And he eventually kind of like got the board to really limit Jobs function in the company. And Jobs mm -hmm. ended up leaving in 1985. And he wouldn't okay. come back until like, I think it was 1997 when he came back and turned Apple around. Oh, wow. But so Steve Jobs is actually both clean and scruffy because in comparison with Scully, he would have been the scruffy guy, whereas right. Scully would have been the clean guy. So, but anyway, I'm not Walter Isaacson. So let's move on. All right. Well, that's interesting stuff, though. It's definitely interesting to see where they might have gotten their inspiration. Yeah. So we then get Scully at home and she's on her computer and her voiceover is kind of talking to us while she types. And she's telling us she doesn't know if Will Check is a genius, but she does know he has a predilection for elaborate gameplay, he has a motive, and he has access to the building's COS system. So she thinks he's the main suspect, which she types in her notes, and then she types end of field journal, October 24th, 1993. So we do get the date. It is October 24th on this yep. day. So that's why there would be Halloween candy. Yep. And uh, so then she leaves the room, goes into the bedroom, and then a minute later, we see her computer turn back on. And then it cuts to the COS computer at Eurisco, basically reading her field journal, like mm. downloading her field journal from her computer. Creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is creepy. Yeah. 
So then we cut to the next day. So Mulder and Scully are listening to audio tapes, which Scully didn't take my advice. Could have skipped this part, <laughs> but oh well. And Mulder's like transcribing them by hand while she's listening to them. But she's obviously trying to pick out words because she keeps rewinding. And we kind of see where she's going with this. Mm-hmm. And then Jerry shows up and he's like, I got my hat in my hands. I'm so sorry. Will you please help me? I didn't mean to steal your work, but I just really need, you know, I'm super desperate. And Mulder's like, I would have helped you. You just got to ask. And he's like, you don't understand, Mulder. It's not, it's not easy for me. They've got me, like, ha- I have to do daily reports now. They're treating me like a, like a newbie. And Mulder's like, it was an accident. It, it could have happened to anybody. It's fine. He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm not like you. You're, like, super good. And I'm just, you know, I'm not good like that. So Mulder's, like, trying to give him encouragement. But, yeah, the dude yeah. is definitely a chud. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So Scully's like, hey, you guys should come in here. And she boots up the computer. It's a computer spectrogram that can identify speech patterns. Yeah, she borrowed it from the voice biometric lab at Georgetown University, apparently. Yeah. The voice on the time call that Drake answered right before his death matches Brad's exactly. So that's Wilchek's voice. I know. I never would have seen that coming. (laughs) Oh, my God. That, wow, man. And so it was disguised electronically, but obviously not well. Jerry convinces Mulder to let him go arrest Wilchek alone because he needs this arrest, like, really badly. Yeah. Man, I and can't believe first, that those voice matches. I, I know. I never would have guessed that. And then Scully like draws, draws on her monitor with a marker pen. She's like circling things. And I'm like, it's not that kind of screen. Like those exist now, but you guys didn't have those in 1993. Yeah, hopefully that was a dry erase <laughs> pen or like Georgetown University is going to be pissed off. And it doesn't look like one because I went back and double checked and zoomed in. And it's just like a big, almost like like old school, like marker you would buy for your kid. And back in 1993, it probably wasn't like water color it was probably like full-on marker so yeah so anyway some intern's gonna be scrubbing that screen <clears throat> yeah but then we cut to brad and brad is in his house and he's he's in this like island in his house it's like a platform and it's surrounded by water yeah that was interesting and so he's sitting at a desk and he's typing and he's trying to get access to the COS system. He's trying to, he's trying to get in remotely and he can't, he keeps getting like access denied, access denied. And we just keep, see like all these different passwords da, 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 rolling down the screen. He's just getting access denied. So he gets upset. So he runs out the door and he hops in his car and he drives off. But Jerry was parked outside and follows him to Uresco. So Brad gets in the elevator and he's a little like, I mean, one, like you hear your own voice telling you you're going up. That's a little creepy mm-hmm. because it is his voice, Scully. And he's kind of like in the corner, like kind of like looking at the camera. So he's a little creeped out, which I guess makes sense. He realizes something's going on with the system. So it's like, what's going on? But he gets up to the main thing and the his he's got a, another terminal that he sits at that's like all isolated again, like in the dark behind a big, glass partition where the main computer actually lives and he's typing away and he finally gets access to the main computer and it talks to him hello brad and he's like um you're not enabled with a voice synthesizer why are you talking right and then he's like what is my access level and the computer tells him that his access level is at the discretion of the computer system 
Yeah, it's a little creepy. And when he rides the elevator, he's like huddled against the wall and he's like looking at the security camera kind of warily. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, if I thought something was wrong with my elevator controlling computer system, I probably would not ride the elevator. But I mean, it's on the 29th floor. I know, it's a lot of floors, but also I'm really scared of like elevators but he has to, he deliberately to be a pretty fit me. dude. So he does, yeah. He's probably a vegan. <laughs> So then on a security feed, Brad sees Jerry enter the elevator and he gets in and it's obviously like even originally it's going too fast. Like you hear the floors and it's going faster than it was for Wilczek. Mm -hmm. And then Wilczek tries to stop it because he knows something's wrong, but he can't seem to get any of the overrides to work. Yeah, he's or like flipping override. breakers or something it looks like. Yeah, he's doing like everything and he can't make anything happen. And then the elevator stops and it opens and Jerry sees like a blank wall and he's like, oh, of course it opened with like between floors. Yeah. And then the elevator drops and Brad like begs the computer to stop. And then the image on the security feed goes out and it's clear that the elevator has like hit the ground. Yeah. And the computer totally trolls Wilczek because he's like, what are you doing? And the computer's like, what are you doing? I know. Like, yeah, totally. Like, hmm. Yeah, you're, you're not a good computer. No, you are not a nice computer. Yep. So we cut to the security footage of Jerry's last moments, and we find out that Mulder is just basically watching it on a loop in his office in the dark. But he's also got footage of Brad fighting with the computer and yelling at it, but there's no audio. And Scully comes in and says she heard about Jerry and that she's sorry, and she flips off the TV. It's like, Mulder, you need to not be... She doesn't say it, but it's like, you need to not be like constantly watching your friend die. That's not healthy. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder's like, I don't think Wilczek did it. And she's like, what? And he's like, I don't, I don't think he did it. And she tells him that he's been through a lot and he's probably not thinking clearly and that Wilczek just signed a confession. Yeah. So Mulder and Scully decide to go to Wilczek's house and they get there and, you know, there's obviously investigators there, which is normal, and they get out and then they're stopped by this guy in a suit kind of near the front door and he tells them they have to leave. It's a crime scene. And Mulder's like, yeah, I know I ordered the subpoena. And then the guy's like, nope, that subpoena was overturned. You would need a level five clearance to access this scene. So you, you was, can't be here. Was Scully in the car? Because I thought it was just Mulder that went there. No, I think she got out with him, and I think oh, they both like remember, walked up. I just remember then, seeing him. But. I swore, I swore she was there. Maybe I just imagined her though. Okay, <laughs> I'd have to go I back to and say, watch. The agent says, "Oh, that subpoena has been obviated." Yeah, that's and the what only it thing was. I could think of is there's a scene in the Last Boy Scout where Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis are getting beat up by these two like thugs, and the one guy is like he uses big fancy words. And like the other guy is like the muscle. So he's like smacking him in the head with guns and stuff. And Damon Wayne's is like, shit, we're being beat up by the inventor of Scrabble. <laughs> That's the only thing I think of just like, cause he's using like fancy words, like obviated who uses obviated. Like, right. Oh, that subpoena has been like, you know, rescinded. It's no yeah. It's valid. not there anymore. It's been obviated. <laughs> but anyway, the things that stick in your head. Can I say? So Mulder ends up meeting deep throat 
And Deep Throat is a little annoyed because he's like, you need to respect the terms of our agreement. But Mulder's like, why is Wilczek the subject of a level five investigation? And Deep Throat says that Wilczek has always thumbed his nose at weapons contracts. And, but we found out that he made an AI. So they end up talking a little bit about the history of AI and like how, you know, like the first one to beat someone at chess and the department of defense really, really, really wants a AI computer system because something that can do that is like the Holy grail. And so having will check is maybe their way to do that. Right. So deep throats back. <laughs> yeah. Part of me is like, i there's some stuff I read where they're talking about like they kind of think using deep throat in this episode is kind of a waste, which I kind of get because I'm almost kind of like there's probably other things Mulder could have done. And I don't understand. Like we talked about, like we don't know who those agents are. Part of me thinks it must just be like a higher level FBI investigation because they talk about level five. So right. Like maybe Mulder's like a different, maybe Mulder's level four, level three or whatever. But at the same time, like, I don't know if like the department of defense has their own, like, you know, agent system or, whatever so but at the same time like later when you know to skip ahead a little bit Mulder and Deep Throat are going to talk again towards the end of the episode and that part actually kind of brings that like right sense of like ominous feel to it that I think he should have when he's on the episodes and so I guess it probably works I'm fine with it although I have to say like they're they're just like walking around like in what we is supposed to be like downtown DC like at the steps of buildings and stuff just chatting away and i'm like that's probably not the best place to be having like secret conversations clandestine meetings yeah in open fields yeah yeah but anyway. but like good for Wilczek for not selling out to the defense department like yay yeah i mean he's in prison now but you know hey. yeah you know not not a great situation but before that yay <laughs> So then we're at a federal detention center in Washington, D.C., and Mulder confronts Wilczek and basically accuses him of giving a false confession to protect his machine. And Wilczek says he's not trying to protect the machine. He's trying to keep it out of the hands of an immoral government. And he calls it kind of the lesser of two evils. Like he'd rather risk that the machine could kill somebody again than give it to the Department of Defense. And if he admits that this machine killed someone they're going to have the right to like seize it and take it. Yeah. However, like he's supposed to be a genius. He doesn't come up with like, Oh, I could destroy the computer. Like Mulder's the one who comes up with that idea. So like, who's the genius now, buddy? Yeah. Well, I wonder if he kind of had to be talked into that though. Cause like, there's a lot of like movies and TV with like geniuses who create evil, or whatever, but they don't want to destroy it. Cause like they created it. So maybe it takes a little coaxing to get him there. But it does seem like a better option than spending your life in jail for a murder you didn't commit. And, so. hoping, it, and hoping it doesn't kill people. Yeah. 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 Anyway. But yeah, so we leave. And I guess Scully was there with Mulder, even though she wasn't in the cell with. Because they come, they come out of the building and they're talking. And Scully is like, blaming the machine is just an alibi. And it's not even a good one. Right. Whereas, like, he wasn't using it as an alibi. Mulder's, that's actually Mulder's idea. So I'm not sure where she's getting that action because like Wilczek actually signed a confession and isn't retracting it. So I'm not sure where she's saying like he's using that as an alibi, but anyway, so she's asking like the machine killed Drake out of self-defense then. And he's like, no, it's like self-preservation. And she's like, well, that kind of like AI is decades away. It's always like 15 years away. Yeah. Always. 
but she thinks that grief is clouding Mulder's judgment and she thinks he should go talk to someone. And he's like, you're right. I should go talk to someone. And so he walks off and Scully's like, he's probably not going to talk to someone that he should be talking to. <laughs> and we find out that she's probably right because the next thing we see is Mulder's back in we'll check cell and has brought him a little tiny laptop and says, how much time do you need? Right. So, so he's going to write a virus to destroy the COS. That's maybe. right. Yep. So then we cut to nighttime and Scully's phone rings and she hears modem static. So she runs to her computer and she sees her screen is running and like you can see some of her file names and then it like loads the notes on Wilcheck and it just kind of runs them down. And she calls the FBI and asks them to trace her number because someone is accessing her computer. Which when the phone rang, I totally expected the computer to like take Mulder's previous words and like chop them together and make him like ask for help or something to kind of lure her to the building. So I was kind of surprised that it was just like modem static. I thought it was actually going to be the time. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. (laughs) If she would like next, but like, seriously, why is this computer like obsessed with Scully's computer? Like, right. it, It obviously can call numbers that it can just look up, but the only number that it's calling is Scully. Like, is it looking for nudes on her computer? Like, what is it doing? Like, why is it obsessed with Scully? Well, and it's and, reading, like, the same field reports that are just saying, like, she thinks it's will check. So, like... Yeah, I don't It seems understand. like you already did that. What does it... And then why wouldn't you turn the monitor on to look at stuff? Why wouldn't you leave it off? And why would and, you call? Like... <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta, ex- you gotta access the modem somehow. Right, but shouldn't that not ring the phone? Because it didn't ring the phone the first time. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because those are on different. We're assuming they're on different lines, because then she's on the phone later while like her modem is on, right? And she's calling, so she must have two lines, which you kind of had to do back in the day if you wanted to use the computer because it was on the phone line, and if you were on the modem, you couldn't use the phone, and your mom and dad would get mad because they wanted to talk on the phone. You're like, but I'm on AOL. <laughs> Or they'd like pick up the phone and it would kick you off and it was awful. And then also (laughs) most modems had a setting where you could turn the little off. So like maybe the first time it called, it would have like flipped that setting and then not turn the monitor on if it was being sneaky. But it's obviously not a really smart AI. No, no, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) So... We end up back at the Uresco building and Mulder's getting out of his car and he's getting ready to go in. He's obviously got the virus with him. And then Scully pulls up in her car and is like, something hacked my computer. And they look up at the building. So they decide they got to go to the building because apparently it was traced. And Mulder has a Trojan horse to get in because he's got Wilczek's license plate from his fancy car. Yeah. And so they put that license plate, which says Uresco on it. They put that plate on their car and they go to the parking garage, and it starts scanning the license plate. Which, why it scans the license plate of maybe just using, like, the stripe cards everyone else has, or the cool fancy key, I don't know. But it scans the license plate and decides, cool, you can come in. And then we see, you know, monitor footage of it looking at the car, and you're thinking, you know, that computer probably realizes that's not Brad's car. It's just right. that Brad's license plate. And we're right because they get halfway through and the little arm comes down to stop them from entering. And then the gate comes crashing down and it's got big spikes on it and smashes through the front windshield. And we're like, Oh no. (laughs) 
But Mulder and Scully are both okay. Uh, apparently, the cars wrecked. They, they wreck a lot of cars. The yeah, FBI is probably the like, horns what's going, going on? off for some like, for some reason. The hood is popped. Like the thing came down on the windshield, but the hood is popped up. Like it hit something, which it didn't, and the horn's going off. Yeah. So, so anyway, they kind of leave the car there, and they're like, and Mulder's like, okay, but we should take the stairs, which good, yeah. Yeah. So they are climbing the stairs, and I think they get up to. The twenty eighth floor, and then the lights go off. But yep, someone was like twenty eight down, one more to go, and then the lights turn off. And so they pull out a flashlight, and Mulder wears gloves and sticks. He tries to get the door open, but it doesn't open. So then he sticks a screwdriver in the lock, and it sparks. So he puts a glove over the security camera to keep it from watching them, and then he hoists Scully up, and she crawls through the vents. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, her plan is like drop down on the other side and open the door. And while Mulder's waiting for that, Claude, the building manager, opens the door and sees Mulder. And he's like, what are you doing here? Uh, meanwhile, Scully's in the vent and the air is being blown at her. So she's having trouble and it gets really strong and it ends up blowing her back and she falls down. And then she's hanging above this like spinning fan and she pulls out her gun and like tries to shoot the fan out basically to keep it from spinning because she drops something and it's like obviously moving very fast and if she falls that's gonna hurt yeah i don't <laughs> think she's actually like vertical i think she's still horizontal it's just supposed to be the fan is blowing apparently oh, so okay. hard that it's like that shooting it's pushing her, her. yeah because the camera uh, does turn and make it look like she's hanging but you're right i think it yeah, is that because she's, she's like, like holding gripping, on and trying because not she's to, like, like gripping just trying to keep it from which yeah. like the wind speed required for that is yeah i think that's why i thought she had fallen because it excessive. seemed more like gravity was doing more of that no, I think it was supposed <laughs> to be the wind. and like there's like all kind like as the wind picks up there's like all kinds of debris like papers and stuff <laughs> hitting her like what do you have in your <laughs> ventilation system like where's this garbage coming from in the ventilation system your hvac but, system should not look like that get no, it no it's at. like leaves and bits <laughs> of paper and like post-it notes and just all kinds of crap like hitting her in the face and she's like huffing and puffing because apparently it's blowing so hard that she can't breathe as well yeah and like no (laughs) reference to tombs at all i was waiting for there to be like "Mm, (laughs) gonna have me go into the vents okay Mulder. that's not (laughs) traumatic at all after someone like shot out of a vent in my apartment and tried to kill me that's cool okay but apparently the scene was supposed to be done in an elevator shaft but that was too expensive so they ended up using a the ventilator shaft instead. Oh, okay. so I don't know if that meant like she was going to be like climbing the ropes on the elevator or something because like that's the only option for an elevator shaft. Elevator shafts don't go horizontal, right? So I'm guessing like she was going to be climbing the rope if that was what they were going to do. But apparently that was too expensive. So ventilator <laughs> shaft it was with ridiculous <laughs> hurricane winds. So. But then, like you said, Claude opened the door. While Mulder was waiting for Scully, he's like, Scully, come on, come on. And the door clicks and he's like, oh, finally. But it's Claude. And Claude's like, what are you doing here? And they're talking and we find out that, you know, they walk into the computer system. And Claude's like, yeah, the computer's been acting crazy. I've been trying to figure out what's going on. And Mulder has the virus and asks Claude where the port is. And so he plugs in like 1993, like thumb drive, which is basically like a palm drive pops it into the big old scuzzy ports man scuzzy ports wow <laughs> i didn't know you could have portables that went into scuzzy ports but that's cool anyway he pops it in and at first he doesn't get access it like blips and access denied so then apparently trying a different port made it work okay 
but they get access to level seven and they're like, yes. And then Mulder walks over and then he turns around and Claude's got a gun and it's like, I've been waiting to get access to level seven for years. Thank you very much. Take your gun out of your pocket and empty your clip. <laughs> and we find out that Claude is working for the defense department. So they've been trying to get access to the computer and Mulder's like, Oh man, seriously. But anyway, yeah. at first I totally thought Claude was the killer. Like he'd been reprogramming the computer, but didn't have full access yet. He just had like enough access to like, you know, kill people and like yeah. the elevators. But nope, turns out they've just been trying to access the computer. And so he's like a spy apparently. Yeah. Which makes sense. Cause like, I don't know. I mean, I guess he could have motive to kill because he does want power, clearly. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't <laughs> think. I mean, they're both. I mean, it's, I'm assuming that he's working for the defense department because Mulder's like defense department, and he's like I've been working on this, trying to get in here for two years. So I'm thinking he actually is like the government. Oh, so I wasn't sure if he was going to sell it to them. Well, or because what later there, but... I mean, later we find out like they're trying to figure out the computer. Yes, a that's bit. true. And like deep throat, it says like the, the Department of Defense has been working on it for five days. Yeah, so, so it, it must sounds have been like him. it He's must like have been in, him. But I mean, guy. it's not like that would be the first time like agents for the government haven't pulled guns on Mulder and Scully. So. Very true. <laughs> so luckily, Scully has managed to get the fan out in the vent and gotten out. And she arrives with her gun drawn and tells Claude to put his gun down. And so Claude does, but then he tries to convince Scully that if she lets Mulder upload the virus, they're basically going to destroy a major scientific achievement. And he appeals to that side of her, which is weird because he doesn't know her that well, but I guess he's just throwing anything at the wall at this point. See what yeah. sticks. And we have to assume that Scully's gun still has bullets because like, she was trying to shoot the fan to make right. it stop. And she missed a lot. She did. So, but he doesn't know that. <laughs> no. And then also, she totally lets Claude turn his back towards Mulder to put his gun down. He totally could have shot Mulder. I know. Yeah. Anyway, Scully doesn't buy the whole, we've got to save it for science speech. So she tells Mulder to put the virus in. Mulder uploads it to the computer, and the computer has a really cheesy meltdown. Like, mm-hmm. it, it does the whole, like melty screen and like yeah. shaking and why? then why why are you doing this what? yeah and so finally it turns off and all the lights on it go off and then all the lights in the building come back on yeah it was pretty bad it basically does everything except seeing daisy yeah it is such a yeah it's it's I mean, very the, cheesy i mean the whole thing is totally how i mean they tried hard yeah but yeah it was yeah it basically aped all the the death throes of how in that scene so the That's next just day how computers die yeah i guess they just like cry and be like don't do this to me and then their voices slowly like and then yeah fade away and the screen goes that's how that works yeah but anyway so the next day Mulder's sitting on the park bench with deep throat a little more secluded good job they're like in a bicycle park or something so yeah not like in the freaking center of washington dc with like people walking up and down stairs looking like senators and stuff but uh molder has been putting in requests trying to find out because will check has apparently disappeared and he's not in the federal detention system anymore and so he's been checking everybody and he's like they can't just like make somebody disappear like that he's like you know someone basically famous and deep throat is like they can do anything they want so we get that nice 
creep that I think Deep Throat needs to have when he's in the episodes. But he's so he Mulder's like, so where is he? And Deep Throat is basically he's stuck in what we call hard bargaining because he's confessed to two murders and Mulder has effectively destroyed the only evidence that might have exonerated him. So basically he's being held prisoner until he decides to work for the department of defense is what we're, is the gist we're getting at. Yeah. So, but Mulder's like, well, could I have done anything else? Cause we say, you know, like you destroyed the evidence and Mulder's like, well, could I have done anything else in that? And deep throws like, not unless you wanted this information to be found by the government. And so Mulder asks him, like, have they not found anything? And it's like, no, they've been working on it for like five days and they haven't been able to find anything. So. Yeah. So, and he kind of basically is like, yep, they don't have it. You did the right thing. It was good. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to people dismantling the servers at Eurisco under Claude's supervision. So he probably is working for the Department of Defense because now he's like supervising this project. Yep. Um, he's having a not good phone call right now. Yeah. And they're just not having any luck finding any traces of the system, which is what he tells them. Like, we're not getting anything. And then when he's not looking, a few lights blink to life and one of the security cameras come on. And then Claude just says, I'm going to figure this thing out if it kills me. Yeah. And we kind of get like, that's supposed to be like security footage point of view of him saying. Right. And, you know, it's ominous because the computer's probably going to yeah. kill him. Dun, dun, because dun. Claude's on the phone saying like, we haven't been able to find anything, but we're still trying. And I think if we try and he's like, okay, all right. So like he's getting shut down, whoever's on the phone that he's talking to. And then it turns out they have six hours or after that six hours they don't find anything it's all going into a metal shredder to make sure that no one else gets access to it so i'm not a computer technician but like it doesn't seem like dismantling the servers is the best way to try and i mean i could see maybe i could see maybe you know taking the individual components and then scanning each one to see if there's any software code that you could take but they've got like motherboards and circuit boards and like scuzzy cables just like piled up everywhere like randomly and i'm like that's not like an ordered system of like working (laughs) through something but then also like come on guys like just end the episode with the lights blinking the lights blink and then we fade to black we don't need like the security camera twitching and like staticky footage of claude being like i'm gonna figure this thing out if it kills me just stop with the lights like the lights start (laughs) flickering and then we cut and then we don't know what's happened i mean we don't know what's happening now either like is the computer gonna kill claude is that what is that what we're alluding to like what's going on but just like the lights oh my god there's something going on with the computer is it going to be is it come back to life is it going to download itself into something or is the government going to get the information we don't know like just like too much just stop yeah yeah it's a little it's a little much and it's pretty ominous and like yeah i don't think claude's gonna have a good day but It was ominous with the lights too, so yeah, but like just stop with the lights. Like like oh, like he walks away, like we got six hours. If we don't find it, this is all going in the shredder. And so like, you know, is that like the realization? Like the computer here's like, oh shit, I'm going in the shredder. I need to start doing something. Like and so the lights the lights come on and then we just cut. Boom. That's all we get, right? That would have been much, much better. 
definitely some issues about how computers work in this episode. Yeah, just I a mean, little as, bit. I mean, aside from the dated, right? I mean, you, you got to kind of accept the dated aspect of oh, yeah. the show, right? It's 27 years ago. So obviously, you know, things are going to be different. But like taking that into account, some definite like computers don't work that way. Right. And they didn't in 1993 either. And no. that's the thing is like they've definitely worked differently now. But they also didn't necessarily work the way <laughs> that this show wanted you to think they did. Yeah. Which, in 1993, a lot fewer people were familiar with computers. Like, like the idea of a smart building was more of like, a, it could be a scary concept because you didn't really have a concept of how computers work or what their limitations yeah. were. And among those people who didn't understand how computers work were <laughs> the writers of this episode. And they admit that. <laughs> yes. Which I'm like, okay, so you admit that you don't know how computers work then why are you writing an episode about computers? Yeah, Gordon and Ganza did say they were not computer literate, and so that definitely showed on this episode. Yeah, And actually, Gordon says that like he was disappointed with how the episode ended up turning out. They really didn't develop the AI like they needed to. Like He said that like if they had developed it more like HAL and Space Odyssey, maybe the episode would have worked better. But because they didn't, it just didn't work the way they hoped. Yeah, and then so I should prep this. So, so it turned out we've, we've neglected to mention this. I, I think we just actually didn't notice this. But Ganza and Gordon are supervising producers on all episodes since Deep Throat. And oh, I'm cool. assuming probably for the season. And then Morgan and Wong, the writers of like Shadows, are actually co-executive producers on all episodes since Deep Throat. And then Chris Carter, obviously, is the executive producer, right? Right. So Morgan and Wong have had some things to say about this episode too, because and at first I was like, dude, don't be shit talking about like an episode you didn't write, but they are actually co-producers on like all the episodes so far. Right. So I think, I think we just weren't paying attention to that kind of stuff because it's like producers, eh, whatever, right? We're <laughs> writer, director is what we're caring about. But Glenn Morgan had said that he thinks the episode really didn't work because they were afraid of copying Hal too much. And I'm like, dude, have you seen the episode? Like, could you have copied it more? Yeah, and I think they were trying to do something new and fresh with, like, the whole AI idea, but the whole AI killing people obviously had been done before, and it didn't, it wasn't super effective because I think they were kind of afraid to go all the way with the evil computer, and they wanted to, like, dangle Wilczek as a possible villain for a while. but, I mean, but they dangled it, but then... It's the computer. I mean, like yeah. from the beginning, we know it's the computer, right? We do. I mean, yeah. we don't know that maybe someone had programmed the computer to do that. We learn later that the program is the actually computer itself and not just someone programming the computer. But it's like, I, like, I don't understand how they could have copied Hal anymore, is what I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, you can't be like, oh, we just didn't go like full on copy. It's like, okay, one, that's not really something you want to say. But like, oh yeah, we totally should have ripped it off to make it better. <laughs> But then also it's like, but you did. I don't see how you could have done it. I don't see how you could have done it anymore. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I did, I did see something and I was like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense because we've talked about how like among all five of them, Carter, Wong, Morton, Gonza, Gordon, they write 20 out of the 24 episodes for this season. Right. And then like they all have like producer credits as well. So like they are the team that is controlling at least the first season of the X-Files. Yes. And if you think about it, you have Pilot, 
And then you have Deep Throat and Jersey Devil is written by Chris Carter. Pilot's an awesome episode, right? The best, ep- I mean, the, if, for, for us, it's been the best episode. It's the highest rated episode for each of us so far. Yes. The pilot. Then Deep Throat, not so good. Jersey Devil, not so good, right? So those are Chris Carter episodes. We have Squeeze, and we have Shadows by Morgan and Wong. Squeeze, very good episode. Yes. Shadows, not such a good episode, right? And then you have Conduit, and you have Ghost in the Machine by Gonza and Gordon. Conduit, some people aren't that hot with Conduit. I think both of us kind of like Conduit. There were some parts that were iffy, but we liked it. Yeah. I think we're definitely going to be liking it more than this episode. Yes. <laughs> and so it's kind of like each of them wrote like their job winning script. Yeah. And then once they got the job, they're like, oh shit, now we got to write something else, fill in the gaps because we got to do a whole season. And so yeah. like, these episodes, the next episode don't hit as hard because those weren't like their best ideas. Yeah. Well, and also like, it sounds like this is episodes five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones where like they've kind of established like the aliens and stuff. And now they have Fox coming in saying, you should have an episode about this. You should have an episode, you know, like, so I wonder how much that's affecting it too. But I do think the episodes get better as season one progresses. So I'm wondering if this is just kind of, they're trying to find their footing, like how they're going to do Monster of the Week episodes, how they're going to make those work. And they just kind of aren't necessarily hitting all the right beats yet. Yeah. I do think that, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that this is not true because undoubtedly Fox was like, you should do this. You should do this. I don't know how like contracts work when you get like, you know, a contract to do a season of television, but I would think like some of that stuff would be figured out ahead of time. Yeah. And not like on an episode per episode basis. Like, Oh, we watched your last episode and we think you need one that looks like this next. Like, I don't, but I don't know how that, I don't know how those contracts work. I've never had one sadly <laughs> so I can't tell you but it just seems like that is a little bit of a a cop-out to me yeah well I mean I think that was true for shadows where they're like you should do a ghost story because I think Fox was trying to push having a group of like non-alien stories so that people didn't think the show was all about aliens yeah because I they just, wanted more I just don't know in. like I mean they all like after the fact come back and go, oh yeah that episode wasn't really good yeah this one they all kind of agreed and it's like work. okay well like did you know that when you wrote it were you aware that it wasn't good did you write it just because you had to do something because like I don't like I said I don't understand how it works but, like if Fox is saying like we need a ghost episode or we need a computer episode it's like cool give us some time to write one and we'll make it episode 13 Right. Not like, oh, okay, we'll make sure it's the next episode. We'll bang one out in like three hours and <laughs> film it. It's like, well, I think TV with, you know, I only know how comedies work, but I would imagine if they're filming pretty much weekly, I wonder if the scripts are getting written kind of around the same length of time, like they're writing a script, then they're filming right. it. So I don't know exactly, but so I that's would why assume. I'm wondering, like, what the demand, like, if the demand is like Fox is like, we want this, it's like, okay, we'll get that for the next episode for you, boss. Like, I don't know yeah. how that works. It just seems yeah, like- I don't think it's quite like that, but yeah, there is a lot of like, basically, they all kind of agree this episode is one of the weaker ones, and Fox even didn't love this episode. They said that the concept was even too, they said too pedestrian to be an X file, like an evil computer isn't really paranormal or supernatural so it doesn't really fit as an x-file and gordon definitely agrees with that like howard gordon thinks that's true 
Yeah, but I mean, it now. wasn't a technically it wasn't an X file. That's true. It, it was, was just Mulder it was, helping. It was Jerry's Jerry. case. Yeah, that's true. But I get it. It's not an X Files theme. I guess <laughs> is what they're trying to say, but yeah, I think they were trying to make it spooky and like, which obviously, like, if a robotic computer is trying to kill you, that's pretty scary. So that's fine. But yeah, it's definitely not paranormal. Howard Graves ghost in the yeah so i think we can agree it was howard graves haunting the building yeah and that explains a lot more (laughs) yep 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 yep. yeah i mean i get it like everything's not gonna be a winner and i'm not saying like everything should be a winner but it it just seems kind of like after the fact to come back and be like oh yeah this didn't work because of this because of this and some of that's true but it's just like what just like fine (laughs) i guess i guess you gotta fill interviews with information or something yeah, well, and also it's good to examine, like, why what you did didn't work, even though, yeah. <laughs> so, are we ready to do our rating? Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with this one, because, like, I think I'm going to have to whip out the point five. Okay. All right. Well, I think I'll let you go. I think for the, I think by standard, that you should always go first. Ladies first. Because <laughs> I'm nicer. Yes. So, I think... This one kind of falls close to Jersey Devil for me and that I probably, if I were watching a marathon of the X-Files and this one came on, I'd probably be like, oh, no, I'll watch something else for an hour. I don't think I have a lot of desire wow, to rewatch watch it. something else. Holy moly. Okay. Well, I mean, just for an hour while well, that episode's on, and then I would turn the marathon back on, but... It's not one that I have a lot of desire to rewatch, is what I'm saying. Okay. Like, this one isn't one that I'm like, wow, why not, you know, I, I wouldn't feel bad skipping it if I were to rewatch The X Files again in 10 years. Okay. I think I'm going to go with a 3.5 because I think oh, okay. it had some moments. It didn't have a lot of moments. Like, I feel like Shadows at least had some, a few more moments. <laughs> so I'm going to go with 3.5. Okay. So you're going, because you gave Jersey Devil a three. Yes. And, and I gave, gave Shadows a four. Shadows a four. So you're so going, I'm going like right between. Hard in between. Okay. Yes. All right. And that 0.5 deduction is just because it really isn't a paranormal or supernatural case. And I didn't like Jerry. He's a jerk. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gave Squeeze a seven, and we nobody liked Colton, so. That's true, but Squeeze was better. Oh, okay. I'm just saying, like, if, <laughs> like if, like if the character is what you're choosing. I, I mean, know. I mean, and obviously, not, but... I gave Shadows a one because Lauren Kike was just <laughs> God. I'm we just. just... <laughs> Go get some therapy. Jeez. I mean, that's not why. You can have a bad ca- You have a character who's like a jerk and that, that works. And it did work here. Like, I don't think that was the problem with the episode. I just, I don't really want to watch it again. But I also don't think it's like the worst thing ever made. And it certainly isn't like, oh, wow, you should definitely skip that if you're going to watch the X-Files. Like, I don't think it's that bad. I just, okay, meh, it's okay. All righty. I think I'm going to go with, hmm, I think I'm almost, I kind of almost go back and change one of my other scores just because (laughs) I can, so I can make this score because I, yeah, I feel like I want to give this one a little bit higher number, but I don't think it's a better episode than another episode, which I gave a lower number. So I'm like stuck because like I can't, if I go higher than I'm saying it's a better episode than this one. Eh, And I don't think it is. So I'm just going to give it the same number that I gave the other episode. So I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Which is what I gave Jersey Devil. Yes. So because 
Uh, I mean, yeah, the whole Jerry thing. Yeah, Jerry is a chud. And I don't know. Maybe. Mm, I'm trying to think of the things that I don't like about. Like, the writing was bad. But the episode itself, I thought, was actually not as bad. Three. We'll go with three. I feel like I should have maybe gave Jersey Devil a four instead of a three. And then this would also be like a four. But I'm going to stick with what I said. So I'm just going to go with a three for this okay. episode. Yeah, I just gonna, feel like I'm not going to go back and retro adjust episodes. <laughs> That's not fair. It's going to be hard when we get to the end of the season because I think we will regret some of our ratings. Just yeah, because we, we get because we don't have anything episodes. to compare them to. Yeah, right. it's like you're like saying like, oh, well, like this episode I definitely gave, and this episode was probably half as good, so I gave it half the number. And you're like, oh, maybe I should did that. Maybe I should have gone a little bit higher. <laughs> so I think there's going to be I think there's going to be some numerical gaps in our ratings. Because we're going to be like locking ourselves into number systems, but yeah, at least I think I'm going to be probably. But yeah, I'm probably not going to be that hard on myself if I get a little. Well, there was the data, going. and then I feel bad. So <laughs> I do think there was like the whole Mulder saying he's a pain in the ass to work with scene was funny, but there weren't as many like good interactions as there have been in some previous episodes between yeah. them. I do like that little, because like when they're, when they're climbing up the stairs and then they get up to the 20th floor and they're like, that's the other thing too. The computer decides to turn the lights off when they're like almost at the floor that they need to be. It's like, you saw them go in the stairwell before that. You could have turned the lights off at like level one and they could have had to go up all the flights of stairs in the dark. That would have been a little harder on them probably. But right. anyway, maybe he thought they were going to have heart attacks and die before they got up to the 29th floor. I don't know. <laughs> but the lights go out, and then she's like, Mulder? And then you see the little flashlight, and he's like, Happy Halloween! He's flashing <laughs> the light in her face. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, too. So there were a couple yeah. cute moments, for sure. He also, I liked his little, the little move he did when they're in the uh, bathroom, and Jerry the Chud is like, you know, Mulder finds the phone, and is like, he probably got a call from whoever murdered him like you know to timestamp it and he's like this guy i taught him everything he knows and he walks away and you're like oh my god and Mulder, <laughs> and like scully looks at Mulder, and Mulder's like mm, yeah mm-hmm. like the little thing he did i thought was pretty yeah that was cool yeah <laughs> he's like he was like a little kid almost kind of like but anyway <laughs> all right so three and 3.5 for yep. ghost in the machine Right. I think so. The next episode is Ice, mm-hmm. which is one that I definitely had on VHS and have seen many, many times. And I think that's a better episode, but I okay. won't know until I watch it again because it has been a really long time. Okay. Well, we will find so out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm seeing a trend here in these three episodes where Shadows is based on a movie sort of they said it was kind of based on the entity and then ghost of the machine is kind of got like that 2001 vibe going on and then mm-hmm. i also heard reference i also saw reference to a movie called demon seed yeah which i guess which i'm not familiar with no me neither and then ice is going to be ice is basically the thing so we'll see what's going on yeah we'll see i know that it'll be interesting to see like at the end of the season if this is just a, a run of episodes that maybe aren't as great. Yeah. Like they're, just hopefully. Trying, like they're just kind of feeling around to see what's working. Yeah. Throwing the spaghetti against the wall. <laughs> so For sure. Yeah. Um, well, we do know the ratings go up at some point. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we'll call it. Okay. Sounds good. So this was Demon in... No, not Demon. (laughs) Ghost in the Machine. This was Ghost in the Machine. Demon in the Machine would probably have been more interesting. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then we'll do the closing. Cool. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios, which is really just a bedroom closet. Research for this episode includes X Marks the Spot on Location with the X-Files by Louisa Gradnitzer and Todd Pitson. The X-Files Declassified by Frank Lovis. Wanting to Believe, A Critical Guide to the X-Files, Millennium, and the Lone Gunman by Robert Shearman. And The Truth is Out There, The Official Guide to the X-Files by Brian Lowry. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever fine podcasts are found. Or simply head over to I want to rewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at Rewatch X Files and on Instagram where I want to rewatch. You can also email us at I want to rewatch at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch. Simply click on the message button. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode eight, Ice. And try to figure out if the truth is still out there. I skipped the whole thing about it being pedestrian. So, well, I just think it's funny that Fox thought it wasn't really good enough to be an X file. So this is kind of like one. Well, and it, well, that's the thing. It it actually wasn't an X file. It never was. We'll talk about that. But yeah, I think I agree with you. Because I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a case that Mulder. It was a case that Jerry Screw Up Boy like brought to Mulder. So <laughs> the man is dead. Show some respect. <laughs> he was it. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if that's the only way to get you off the job when you're incompetent, then so be it. (laughs) Oh.
Oh, Lord. 